morning, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church, the home of this gathered community known as Kensington Unitarians. A particular welcome to anybody who's here for the first time today. We're really glad to have you with us, and if you wish, there'll be an opportunity to introduce yourself towards the end of the service. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Jane Blackhall. I've been a member of this congregation for almost exactly 13 years, and these days I also work here as the Outreach Officer. Our Minister Sarah Tinker is having a well-earned day off today, so I'll be leading the service. Our opening words today are from Marta Flanagan. We gather this day. We come in search of life's meaning. All of us have moments of weakness and times of strength. All sing songs of sorrow and love. In this time, we turn our thoughts to how we can touch and be touched, love and be loved, forgive and be forgiven, heal and be healed, so the goodness of our lives is a shared blessing. In the presence of the sacred, may we come to know our true selves, finding a fresh impulse to love and do good. Let's start by lighting our chalice, the symbol of our worldwide Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community. Ellen's going to come and light the flame. The light of life shines through the eyes of each and every person. The light of truth shines through each life. May the light of this chalice remind us that our search for truth and light is ongoing and is enhanced and nurtured by every person we meet. May we honour the light in each other. Our first reading today is from this fantastic book, uh, Life of the Beloved, by Henry Nowen. I think that's the pronunciation we're sticking with for today. Tristan's given me the thumbs up and he would know. Um, this was uh, introduced to me about ten years ago at summer school by uh, Cal Courtney, who used to be the minister at Newington Green. A few of you know him. And uh, I just love it. What do you need to know? Henry Nowen was a Dutch-born Catholic priest. He wrote many beautiful books on spiritual matters. This one is particularly accessible. He wrote it for... Uh, a secular Jewish friend of his, so he, he kind of stripped away all of the theology that's, that's in a lot of his other books. But yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, the only other thing you need to know is that he lived and worked in a large community where people with disabilities live alongside those who care for them. Um, yeah, I think that's all you need to know. This is a somewhat longer reading than usual, but it's like the centre of the service, so it's worth settling in for, and David's going to read it for us. I am increasingly aware of how much we fearful, anxious, insecure human beings are in need of a blessing. We all need each other's blessings, masters and disciples, rabbis and students, bishops and priests, doctors and patients. Let me first tell you what I mean by the word blessing. In Latin, to bless is benedicere. The word benediction that is used in many churches means literally speaking, dictio, 
well, bene, or saying good things of someone. That speaks to me. I need to hear good things said of me, and I know how much you have the same need. Nowadays we often say we have to affirm each other. Without affirmation it is hard to live well. To give someone a blessing is the most significant affirmation we can offer. It is more than a word of praise or appreciation. It is more than pointing out someone's talents or good deeds. It is more than putting someone in the light. To give a blessing is to affirm, to say yes to a person's belovedness. And more than that, to give a blessing creates the reality of which it speaks. There is a lot of mutual admiration in this world, just as there is a lot of mutual condemnation. A blessing goes beyond the distinction between admiration and condemnation, between virtues and vices, between good deeds and evil deeds. A blessing touches the original goodness of the other and calls forth his or her belovedness. Not long ago, in my own community, I had a very personal experience of the power of a real blessing. Shortly before I started a prayer service in one of our houses, Janet, a handicapped member of our community, said to me, Henry, can you give me a blessing? I responded in a somewhat automatic way by tracing with my thumb the sign of the cross on her forehead. Instead of being grateful, however, she responded vehemently, No, that doesn't work. I want a real blessing. I suddenly became aware of the ritualistic quality of my response to her request and said, Oh, I'm sorry. Let me give you a real blessing when we're all together for the prayer service. She nodded with a smile. And I realized that something special was required of me. After the service, when about 30 people were sitting in a circle on the floor, I said, Janet asked me for a special blessing. She feels that she needs that now. As I was saying this, I didn't know what Janet really wanted. But Janet didn't leave me in doubt for very long. As soon as I had said, Janet has asked me for a special blessing, she stood up and walked towards me. I was wearing a long white robe with ample sleeves covering my hands as well as my arms. Spontaneously, Janet put her arms around me and put her head against my chest. Without thinking, I covered her with my sleeves so that she almost vanished in the folds of my robe. As we held each other, I said, Janet, I want you to know that you are God's beloved daughter. You are precious in God's eyes. Your beautiful smile, your kindness to the people in your house, and all the good things you do show us what a beautiful human being you are. I know you feel a little low these days, and that there is some sadness in your heart. But I want you to remember who you are, a very special person, deeply loved by God and all the people who are here with you. As I said these words, Janet raised her head and looked at me, and her broad smile showed that she had really heard and received the blessing. When she, she returned to her place, 
Jane, another handicapped woman, raised her hand and said, I want a blessing too. She stood up and before I knew it had put her face against my chest. After I had spoken words of blessing to her, many more of the handicapped people followed, expressing the same desire to be blessed. The most touching moment, however, came when one of the assistants, a 24-year-old student, raised his hand and said, And what about me? Sure, I said, come. He came. And as we stood before each other, I put my arms around him and said, John, it is so good that you are here. You are God's beloved son. Your presence is a joy for all of us. When things are hard and life is burdensome, always remember that you are loved with an everlasting love. As I spoke these words, he looked at me with tears in his eyes. And then he said, thank you. Thank you very, very much. It's Time Somebody Told You by Barbara Merritt. Now I'm not one for affirmations. Saying something doesn't make it so. But recently, a dear friend of mine read to me some affecting lines from an unknown author. They went something like this. It's time somebody told you that you are lovely, good and real. That your beauty can make hearts stand still. It's time somebody told you how much they love and need you. How much your spirit helps set them free. How your eyes shine full of light. It's time somebody told you. As these words were read, I found a very complex internal process going on within me. I was touched unnerved, and a little sad that I hadn't heard these words as a child. But mostly, I became conscious of enormous resistance. Something in me was not quite ready to let these words in. It could be that I was not quite ready to hear such, such positive feedback. Maybe it wasn't yet the right time to receive love and affection. But, apparently, at least one friend thought that now was a good time to attend to what is essential and life-giving. Often, we are too busy, too distracted to listen to what our loved ones have to tell us. They offer all kinds of radical and startling opinions about our place in the divine scheme of things. Messages that I can almost hear include It's time someone told you that with all your flaws and weaknesses you are an extraordinary person, well worth knowing. No one, especially not God or the people who love you, expects you to live without making mistakes or stumbling occasionally. It's time you looked at your own life with more kindness, gentleness, and mercy. It's time someone told you that you are not on this earth to impress anyone, to dazzle us with your success, to conquer all obstacles with your competence, or offer one brilliant solution after another. 
We are happy you are here with the rest of our struggling souls. We are striving to be as faithful as we can be to the truth we understand. No more is required. It's time someone told you that the work you do to increase your capacity to love and to pay attention is more important than any other activity. As you advance closer to what is ultimately true and life-giving, you bless others. It's time somebody told you how absolutely beautiful your laughter is. You bring joy into our world. Just possibly, messages of love and acceptance have always been circulating in our midst. The hard part is not seeking out these positive, creative affirmations that remind us that we are loved. The hard part is taking in the love. It's time somebody told us all that we are valued and infinitely worthwhile. And it's time we believed it. A few days ago, I was chatting with Linda Hart, who's the minister with Richmond Unitarians. And when I mentioned the theme of this service, she reminded me of something from one of my favourite books, Gilead, by Marilyn Robinson. Um, Pulitzer Prize winner, we did it at the book group a few years ago, and there's a few copies in the library, highly recommend it. Um, This book's told from the point of view of an elderly congregationalist minister who's looking back over his life, and one of the incidents he recalls is when he was an unusually pious child, he had uh, baptised a litter of stray cats. And this is what he says about it. Everyone has petted a cat, but to touch one like that, with the pure intention of blessing it, is a very different thing. It stays in the mind. For years we would wonder what, from a cosmic viewpoint, we'd done to them. It still seems to me a real question. There's a reality in blessing. It doesn't enhance sacredness, but it acknowledges it, and there's a power in that. I felt it pass through me, so to speak. The sensation is of really knowing a creature. I mean really feeling its mysterious life and your own mysterious life at the same time. So if we were were to begin by asking what is a blessing, we might start by considering the dictionary definitions. To bless is to make holy by religious right, to sanctify, to infuse something with holiness or one's hope or approval. But for our purposes, I don't think there's any better definition than that one from Gilead. Blessing doesn't enhance sacredness, but it acknowledges it, and there's power in that. In the reading from Henry Nowen earlier, he said, I'm increasingly aware of how much we fearful, anxious, and insecure human beings are in need of a blessing. I couldn't agree more. So many of us carry around this sense of not being good enough that can creep up on us at any moment. Perhaps we heard too much criticism and not enough praise in our youth. It could also be said in today's social, political culture, there's increasingly this implicit message that people are only of any worth if they're economically useful. God help you if you're poor or sick or old or don't fit into the system. Whatever you do, it can seem as if all you've got to give is never going to be enough. No wonder so many people feel fearful 
anxious, insecure and in need of a blessing. The practice of blessing can be an antidote to all this, reminding people of their inherent sacredness. However, paradoxically, a lot of us seem to feel uncertain, embarrassed or awkward about all this. Even if at some level we are longing for a blessing, we might find ourselves shrinking back or putting up barriers, like the piece that Janine read from us by Barbara Merritt. She spoke of a reaction when effusively praised by a friend. She said, I found a very complex internal process going on within me. I was touched, unnerved and a little sad that I hadn't heard these words as a child. But mostly I became conscious of enormous resistance. Something in me was not quite ready to let these words in. Now I find that rather sad, but I can also relate to it. I remember when I first came to this congregation 13 years ago, I I found it really unnerving when all these Unitarians kept saying nice things to me. (laughs) I found it so unlike what I was hearing in the world outside, sort of workplace banter, which is often critical and undermining. I felt this strange push and pull between the great hunger to hear nice things said and the sense that I didn't quite know what to do with them. I'd rarely experienced that sort of kindness elsewhere. Offering a blessing can be just as awkward, embarrassing and anxiety-provoking as receiving one. So we typically save that for special occasions, births, marriages and deaths. And even then we devolve responsibility to a minister or someone else who's been specially appointed. Barbara Brown-Taylor, an Episcopalian minister, has written something about this phenomenon. She says... I think it's a big mistake to perpetuate the illusion that only certain people can bless things. There remain a great many people who excuse themselves when asked to pronounce a blessing. They're not qualified, they say. They're not good with words. They'd rather jump off a high diving board than try to say something holy in front of a bunch of other people. My guess is that even if you ask them to bless something in private, thereby separating the fear of public speaking from the fear of pronouncing a blessing, they'd still demur. And if you're one of those people, only you will know why. All I can tell you is how much the world needs you to reconsider. Back to me speaking now. I wonder if this is because on some level we know how important it is, how powerful a blessing can be, and we don't want to be the one who messes it up. But really, we can't afford to leave it to the professionals. We need all hands on deck. There's no shortage of people who are in need of a blessing, who are fearful, anxious, insecure, and uncertain of their own worth. And there's nobody but us to do it. To paraphrase Teresa of Avila, God has no hands but yours. Yours are the hands by which he is to bless us now. So we've looked at the what and the why of blessing. Now we can turn back to Henry Nowen to find out how we might go about blessing, giving and receiving. In the story we heard, the young woman, Janet, really shows us how it's done. She's such a fantastic example to us all. Firstly, she knows she's in need of a blessing and she's not frightened to ask for one. And secondly, when Henry offers a rather mechanical sign of the cross, she tells him off. No, that doesn't work, I want a real one. (laughs) Janet longs for something significant, deep and real. And she's bold enough to ask for it directly. And when he's called on this, Henry realises that he was just going through the motions, but at first he doesn't know what's required of him. What is a real blessing? He stalls and he says he'll offer a blessing in the service later, but even when the time comes, he doesn't quite know what he's going to say or do. But he opens himself to the moment. And in the end, it's a joint effort between Janet, Henry, and what we might call the spirit. As Rachel Naomi Remen says in the words that are on the front of your order of service, 
A blessing is not something that one person gives another. A blessing is a moment of meeting, a certain kind of relationship in which both people involved remember and acknowledge their true nature and worth and strengthen what is whole in one another. And perhaps the most moving part of the story for me is the way in which Janet's boldness liberates everybody else to be vulnerable and show that they too are in need. As one by one both the cared for and the carers come forward to receive a blessing. Now although each instance of blessing will unfold spontaneously and uniquely as the spirit moves, we can learn something about the shape and attributes of a blessing from that story. And I want to highlight three aspects of blessing that we might do well to take note of. The first aspect of blessing is simple human contact. In this case, an enfolding embrace as Henry covers Janet in his big white robes. For me, this sort of gesture helps to convey something that goes beyond words. Something of being enfolded in love, both human and divine. As we sang earlier, not just in spirit's words we preach, in human touch, love's faith we show. Even though in this city we're so often literally pressed right up against each other, this sort of intentional, loving human contact, offering a sense of comfort and acceptance, is quite rare for many of us. But in the words of John O'Donoghue, when one is in sorrow or in pain, touch can be the silent language that says everything. It travels deeper than words can. The second aspect of blessing is an element of personal affirmation, specifically naming the good that you see in someone. Again, in a big city such as London, many people feel almost invisible. So even to acknowledge that they've been seen or heard at all is a significant thing. To name the good you see in another may help them to see it in themselves and even call forth that quality in them as they try to live up to your affirmation. Here's a tiny example from my own experience. Many years ago I was part of a women's group and one activity we, we, we did, we sat in a circle and each person had to offer a single word to the person sitting next to them, naming a good quality they'd seen. And the woman next to me offered the word creativity. This was about ten years ago and I, it baffled me. It was not a quality I'd seen in myself at all. Um, but I've carried it with me ever since. And since, I've lost, I've lost touch with that woman, Jackie. But um, it really sowed a seed in my consciousness. And, and I could say it did such a lot of good for my self-confidence. And it's really shaped my life since then. As we sang in the last hymn, No act falls fruitless. None can tell how vast its power might be. Nor what results enfolded dwell within it silently. One tiny affirmation such as this can be carried in another's heart for the rest of their life. The third and final aspect of blessing for me involves a higher dimension. I think of it as the God's eye view. When we bless, we somehow transcend the personal just for a moment. Henry Nowen blesses people with the phrase, You are God's beloved child. And that phrase holds a lot of power for me. Barbara Brown Taylor says this, Pronouncing a blessing puts you as close to God as you can get. To pronounce a blessing on something is to see it from the divine perspective. And this may be why blessing prayers make some people so uncomfortable. A loyal churchwoman once said in my hearing, I don't want to be that important. Yet she relied on me, her priest, to say the blessings she was unwilling to say herself because she knew they were necessary. Because she needed to hear a human voice pronouncing God's blessing on her. Otherwise she might give in to the insistent idea that she truly was not important, that both she and the whole world were without any significant meaning. 
And if that God language doesn't quite work for you, maybe there's another way to phrase this bigger view. And it's one that some of you will be familiar with. It's the first principle of the Unitarian Universalist Association. To affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person. This is something quite apart from the specific good qualities we might choose to affirm in anyone. It's saying that regardless of the particulars of our lives, whether we've been naughty or nice, so to speak, we are still ultimately worthwhile. It's no accident that the UUA have that as their very first principle. As far as I'm concerned, that message is central to our Unitarian mission, our good news. So I think it would be good for us as Unitarians to make a practice of blessing. Maybe it won't always feel quite right for us to include all three of those dimensions, the human contact, the personal affirmation and the God's eye view. But I encourage you to do it anyway, in a way that suits your personality and the situation at hand. There's no need to be extravagant about it if that's not your style. I rarely feel brave enough to tell anyone that they're God's beloved child, even though I might be thinking it. But I quite often say something like, oh, you are a good egg. And for a lot of people, that is a, you know, it's a start and it's a much easier message to hear. <laughs> exactly. More symbolism that I hadn't even noticed. So please don't ever think, oh, it goes without saying, because the value of your affirmation might be huge. In the days and weeks to come, I encourage you to give and receive blessings. Like Henry now, and we might not know exactly what is required of us, but let us cultivate an attitude of reverence, sensitivity and openness, approaching each potential moment of blessing with courage and goodwill. As we sang earlier, we come as we are to worship and pray, unsure of ourselves, unsure what to say, to give life the best of the powers we have as servants of life and clear channels of love. Amen. And now may the blessings of life be upon us and upon this congregation. May the memories we gather here give us hope for the future. May the love that we share bring strength and joy to our hearts. And the peace of this community be with us until we meet again. Amen. Amen.